Hello, everyone. You are listening to Solving for X, a podcast that brings government's top thinkers and innovators together to reimagine how the federal workforce works. I believe we become what we practice. And if our nation's employees have the best work experiences, our public customers will have the best experiences too. We're on a journey to bridge digital and workforce transformation and how that experience or X will impact government services, careers, and more. Welcome to the future of work. What does X mean to you? All right. Hello, everybody. So thank you for joining us today. I'm your host today, Chris Christ, joined by a special co-host today, which is Benjamin Park. He's a senior federal leader and a part of the ATARC Workforce Transformation Working Group. So today, I'm thrilled about today's topic. I'm really excited that we're creating this space for a topic like what we're going to talk about today. So I want to hand this over to Ben. Ben, how's it going? What's on today's agenda? Chris, thank you for that introduction. Uh, I don't know how special I am, but I am really excited to be here um, to be a part of this work group and this podcast, which in some ways is a dream come true for me. Um, I am passionate about workforce transformation and the things that we've been talking about so far in these conversations. I am actually even more excited um, to be introducing our guest. Uh, Eris McCutry-Gill is the Executive Director for Employee Experience and Organizational Management with the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, Veterans Experience Office. Uh, Eris comes to us highly recommended by our podcast co-host, Nina. And Eris, we are really, really excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here with you and excited to talk more about this uh, really important topic. So Eris, as you might know, uh, we like to start off our conversations uh, with our crystal ball question. And so the question goes like this. There's been a lot of discussion about the future of work. If you had a crystal ball, what do you think that the future holds for jobs when it comes to digital transformation and workforce transformation? This is such a critical topic for us to consider uh, because we know things are changing. I think if we had a crystal ball or if I had a crystal ball, uh, what I'd see is an environment and an ecosystem that evolves with the needs of our workforce, that we have healthy team members who have the right resources, uh, both tech resources and other to support them. Uh, I think even though there's always change and improvements happening in the public sector space, I think recently within the last few years, we have seen it grow at a speed and at a magnitude that we have not seen previously. Uh, and our workforce has needs that are evolving. Uh, we've seen that again, amplified by the pandemic. Uh, we've seen requests for consideration of well-being really lifted and elevated as a priority. Uh, and so I think we'll continue to see a move towards uh, really understanding holistically what our team members need in order to be supported. And then we'll also see how those investments translate into improvements for our customers as well. So, you know, I think that we, as with a lot of other folks that we've talked to on this on this podcast, we've had some amazing leaders like yourself, and they've gone down some similar paths. But, you know, some of the things that you brought up, I want to dig in a little bit deeper, you know, some of the things that you you, you dug into there. 
how can we provide some more tangible examples, you know, for folks out there that may be listening, you know, they're out there saying, oh, okay, maybe this is common sense to them, or I got this down, right? I'm, I'm just a perfect leader in every way, and I can do these things. Well, from your perspective, can we provide something that's a little more concrete? What, what does it actually look like in action, you know, when we do some of these things that you're talking about? Um, maybe in a way that, that's, that's black and white for the folks that may be out there listening today. First, and, and certainly, and first, I am humbled to be a part of the folks that you have included on this panel. I know some of your, your other guests, and they are just phenomenal. So it is, it is an honor and a privilege to be amongst, amongst that cadre of public servants. Uh, when we talk about living this in action and what that means, uh, I was just in a training today in a discussion around building psychological safety and trust and also supporting well-being. And the fact that we were having a whole conversation, not only around what that is, but how we can create meaningful experiences in that space and build upon the foundational pieces of trust with our team members, I think is, is critical. And I'm not sure that was a conversation that we were having at this level five years ago. Uh, and so when, when we talk about well-being and what that means, uh, sometimes I remember um, when I was kind of cutting my teeth and, and coming through professionally, you would hear things like, leave your feelings at the door, leave your personal life at the door. We don't hear that as much anymore. What we are hearing is what kind of connection do people need in order to establish levels of trust such that they feel comfortable sharing what's required to help support them fully. And that's going to vary depending on the person. Some people are very open. Some people uh, prefer to keep things a little bit more close hold. And so I think as leaders uh, and as, as team members, we have a responsibility to want to know where our own comfort levels are in terms of what we share and also extending and creating opportunities for team members to share where they are with that, meeting them, and then figuring out how we can provide the level of support and resources that they need in order to be successful. And part of that is encouraging people to feel comfortable showing up as they are. How can they bring their full authentic selves to bring their talents, to bring their gifts uh, into the workplace uh, to help drive innovation, to help drive those kinds of ideas uh, and, and to feel like there is an environment that supports them sharing in that way. Uh, and so I think when you talk about kind of making it black and white, making it tactical, the interactions that we have, and I know sometimes we often think that it has to be in person, there's a way to do it virtually as well. Uh, I, I actually just met a colleague uh, for the first time, we've been working together for two years and we met for the first time in person. And it was so weird to say, it's nice to meet you because I feel like I already know her uh, because we had developed and cultivated a relationship virtually through, through chat, uh, through Teams. And what we learned is that you have to be intentional about it. And we have to do that with our team members as well. We have to let them know that we are setting aside space and time to get to know them, to understand them, to have a better sense of how to recognize them, to really understand the things that are important to them. Uh, and I think once we do that, we start to build brick by brick those levels of trust in the space where team members feel comfortable to share. Right, I got it. So awesome. This is great. And we've heard that concept of trust before as well. And I think it's fantastic that we continue to see that theme. But you're talking about a, a pretty specific way of how we can do that, how we can, like you said, brick by brick, build that trust. But, you know, I got to tell you, there might be some people out there that are worried about that, worried about putting themselves out there, worried about saying, hey, 
I don't know that. Or, hey, I haven't learned that. And maybe they feel like they need to know that for the job. And maybe they feel like they're going to be criticized for that. So mm-hmm. how do we get past that? How do we help employees? How do we help our that EX, right? That employee experience. How do we help them to know, hey, no, it's okay. Bring up your concerns. Bring up your shortcomings. Bring up these things. And let's talk about it. And let's learn together. How, how do we get there? How do we do that? So there are three things that come to mind for me. And the first one I'll share from a very personal space, and that is to be vulnerable as a leader. It's important for me that my team know that I don't have all the right answers either. I certainly will share my thoughts, my opinions, but I also want them to know when I have made a mistake because we're human and how I have course corrected. So I think it's really important to lead that by example. And so that's kind of at an immediate team level. There are also two examples that I'd like to share about how we can support folks in in doing that, because you're right, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's going to take people time, various lengths of time to feel comfortable with that. One thing that we are doing at VA, um, and, and when you started talking about, hey, am I supposed to know that? Maybe I'm scared to ask because folks will think I should. Uh, we've created, building on the employee experience journey map uh, that was the first of its kind created uh, here at VA, it, it's a, a journey map that captures our team members' experiences from when they're thinking about joining VA all the way through separation. And onboarding was one area uh, that came up as a key moment that matters. And I think that probably resonates across federal in many ways. Uh, and one of the things that we are doing to address Uh, the feedback that we heard directly from our team members is creating a new employee buddy program. And that program we are piloting with our Board of Veterans Appeals uh, with the long-term goal of being able to scale it uh, as a resource that's available uh, across the department. And part of the reason that we settled on that particular effort is because team members said it would really be helpful if there was someone to help me navigate when I first come in to give me a safe space to ask questions that maybe I'm a little nervous about asking somebody in my supervisory chain, because what if they think about, you know, they think that I should know that. Uh, And so this buddy program, again, is another opportunity for us to create a safe space for our team members um, to get their legs underneath of them. And while the program is designed to be uh, a finite amount of time, three months or so, it creates the opportunity for them to build a network and have uh, someone potentially more long-term to help them navigate. The third thing that I will share in terms of building that trust and sharing with folks is that everyone is not comfortable sharing with their name associated with it. And we understand and respect that. We are in the process of building uh, a system called employee signals or e-signals for short. And some may be familiar with uh, v-signals or veteran signals, which is a near real-time platform that allows us to survey our customers um, based on uh, key moments that matter to our veterans. And we have established a trust score with our customer. We're learning and following the blueprint of CX and applying that uh, to the employee experience base as well. And so we're developing e-signals. And e-signals will be a near real-time platform where we are able to gauge trust levels at a macro, at an aggregate level uh, of our team members, um, trust and employee recommendation, and also key performance indicators that our team members have told us are important to them. And so on the veteran side, we look at ease, effectiveness, and emotion in addition to trust. And our team members said those three E's uh, resonate 
but we need to drill down one level deeper. And so ease is a direct translation. But for effectiveness, they asked us to look at responsiveness and empowerment. And for emotion, we're looking at belonging, recognition, and purpose. And so what you're hearing me say is that there's not one avenue. We have to create multiple channels for team members to be able to connect and share their information and share their feedback in a way that they're most comfortable. And with an agency as large as VA, we have over 400,000 team members. It's really critical that we, and we have recognized there's not a one size fits all that goes to this. Um, and so the hope is that we are creating enough channels that folks feel comfortable with one of those to be able to elevate their voice. Eris, you mentioned um, a little bit earlier uh, about the employee journey map. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, could you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. We are very proud of uh, this employee journey map. And it came about uh, because we started to experience some success in the customer experience area at VA. And there was a recognition that if we wanna take CX to the next level, we really need to understand the employee experience because these are the folks who are providing the service to our veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors. And the Veterans Experience Office has uh, rooted itself in human-centered design. And it's a fantastic practice uh, whereby you go and talk to people. I know that's kind of a fancy name, but at the end of the day, when you kind of boil it all down, it's about not making assumptions about what people need, about how people feel. It is about talking to them interviewing them. Uh, and while there, there is a, a question or a set of questions that are used, they really are guiding questions. Uh, and it follows the lead of the person that you're talking to. And so we used the same methodology uh, in talking to our team members to find out what their experience is like at VA. And I, I will tell you, it was a, a little tough at the beginning because as you can imagine, we have so many different types of functions at VA. We have doctors, nurses, attorneys, contract specialists, contracting officers, uh, food service workers, financial analysts. I mean, you name it, we pretty much have it here. Uh, and so when we talk to team members across the country in, uh, and we tried to look at it again in a very comprehensive way because we wanted this journey map to resonate with all of our team members. Uh, and so we, using human-centered design, talk to team members that covered functions, that covered tenure, uh, again, geographical areas. We looked at uh, areas that were in rural areas, uh, urban areas, um, high levels of homelessness, high levels of suicide. We really did try to capture a wide variety of experiences for our team members. The interesting part of that was we were able to glean 11,000 insights from our team members in talking to them. And we synthesized those 11,000 insights into five key phases. 23 employment stages in 30 key moments that matter. And we're able to use that map as a springboard uh, for the next steps that we're doing for employee experience. And really it's, it's been able to be used as a framework in other parts of the department as well. And one of the things that uh, one of my amazing team members, I have a bunch of amazing team members. One of them said, it's really important that people look at the map and not just see it as a beautiful artifact, which it is, but it's a tool, it's a resource. It's something that can be used and put into action. And so what we've done to make it a living document is that all of the actions, the subsequent actions that we have taken from that journey map have all been rooted in the insights from our team members. So you heard me talk about onboarding. That was an area that was listed as a key moment that matters. Uh, we have a women's employee resource group that was created 
they are using the journey map to frame how they are going about better understanding the experiences of women at VA. Uh, and so we're seeing it used in, in different ways to help inform uh, both the strategic and tactical direction uh, at VA with regards to how we're thinking about our people. Um, and so this journey map has been uh, incredibly effective at elevating the key pain points and bright spots of our team members at VA. You know, Eris, so this is, this is great. And I feel like it's a very robust way of, of, I don't know what word to use here, but, you know, tackling this opportunity because, you know, I think that a lot of organizations out there can hear this and say, my gosh, you know, that would be really great to be able to dig into that and to invest in that. But you are the, v, you're, you're talking VA, right? That's a pretty massive organization, a lot of resources, um, a lot of smart people. So, but for some organizations out there, there's some people listening that are part of startup organizations. You know, there's some people out there that that want to interact more with the government. They got their startup companies. They have a few employees. You know, but they don't want this not to be important, right? Or or maybe there's some organizations. I was a part of a nonprofit hospital at one point that was, yeah, you know, they probably had maybe 600 employees. You know, and the thought of ha of of investing in this um, is again is great, but they would say, God, how can we do it? How can we get the funds? How we can get the people? So. How would you recommend, or how do you think that this can be tackled little by little? Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to not take the whole thing on at one time? Is there, are there smaller things that can be done to get to what you're talking about? Absolutely. And I would say step by step. So I can talk about where we are at VA now, but we've been working on this for about three years now. We didn't have an employee experience and, and org management directive. Uh, we didn't have permanent positions. Uh, this really is a, a team born out of a, a, a labor of love, if you will, uh, and some incredible team members who also saw the value and the potential in this work and took on ancillary duties to help provide a proof of concept. And so to your point, we didn't start out saying we're gonna make this big journey map and then we're going to do uh, additional human-centered design deep dives and we're gonna launch this DEIA effort. We didn't come in uh, with that idea, if you will. Uh, we knew that we would like to see it grow and blossom, um, but we really have seen this effort and this, this need to use the word movement, grow organically. Uh, we took a team of zero permanent resources, again, of, of people uh, who saw this effort and then using it, thought about where we could go and engaged in conversations with other team members. And here's the key thing to remember, we didn't do this in a vacuum. From day one, starting with a journey map, we have worked with team members across this department. Uh, and shared and made the investment early on to connect with not only key people in leadership, but we had an integrated project team that had representatives from across the department to get their input because we know we don't have all of the perspectives in one person or in three people. And so we looked to bring in key stakeholders from across the department, not only to get their input, which was huge. I mean, it was just wildly helpful in terms of us framing this work and the efforts that we're doing, but also to provide a level of awareness to them because they can then go back to their teams and share about the work that's happening because they've been a part of it. And so I think for those groups that are just starting out, 
who might see where we are and be like, wow, I can't get there right now. That's okay because where we are now is not where we started. And so I think it's important to look at one, the fact that people want to start is huge. That's incredible. That's amazing. Because again, we're having conversations now that we were not having a few years ago. But I think look at some of the um, pieces that are already in an organization to see what can be leveraged. So maybe you have a CX group with a couple of people. Perhaps they can start to look at how the employee experience is related there. Or perhaps you have an employee engagement group. Now, engagement and experience are not the same thing. Uh, they, they do overlap and work together a lot, but perhaps those working on engagement can start to look at experience, which will require kind of a, a zoom out to look at some more uh, systemic pieces around employee experience. So I think there are a number of different ways that an organization can go about engaging an employee experience, but the biggest piece, the key part of it, is to talk to your folks. And you don't have to have a formal system set up for that. Uh, I mean, you could use some of the informal survey mechanisms that are out there. You can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks as your time permits. That really is the beginning of employee experience. Uh, and so I think once you start there and you're able to demonstrate to folks that you actually you want to hear from them, that you want them to share, and that you're setting up listening channels that will allow them to convey both uh, areas that might need some areas of concern that might need some addressing, but also space for them to share ideas and thoughts. I think it will start to evolve organically, and that may look different for, for different organizations, but you certainly don't have to have it all starting out. In fact, I think it works uh, almost uh, as an advantage when you don't, because you start to see it created and built, and built, excuse me, um, based off the feedback that you receive from your team members. And that's really what it's all about. You know, I sense uh, a spirit of generosity from you. Um, and, you know, here we're talking about not only what's happening at VA, um, but you're sharing about how this can be done in other organizations as well. Um, and yeah, I sense that that spirit of wanting to share and not wanting to this just be local, localized in one department or in one office. Um, so that leads me to ask about the community of practice. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the community practice that you've been a part of? Absolutely. So as I tell the team, sharing means caring. Uh, and when we launched the journey map, a lot of different agencies started reaching out uh, and were interested in learning about what we were doing here in the employee experience space. And even as we were creating the journey map, for those of us who had worked in other departments before VA, we looked at it and went, yeah, this actually would have applied when I was at another agency as well. And so we saw an opportunity, um, even though some parts of it are certainly VA specific, I think we all started noodling on the fact that there was an opportunity for this to be helpful in other parts of the federal landscape. And so when we started talking to other agencies and we, we began to hear common threads with different departments, different agencies, we thought, wow, it would be awesome if there was a, a way for all of us to get together and share where we are uh, in the various places of our employee experience journey. And so in partnership uh, with HHS, ACF, the Administration for uh, Child Care and Families, we launched uh, 
an employee experience community of practice. And we had our first meeting this summer uh, in July. Uh, we're looking to host another one in December. And we had representation from over 10 agencies there. And it was so encouraging and inspiring to hear not only the interest that people had in learning more about employee experience, but being very transparent about where they are, where they're hoping to go, the challenges that they're facing. And I will tell you, I, it was just, it was fantastic. My heart just was all smiles. Uh, when we heard one agency reach out to another one and said, hey, it sounds like we're in a similar space. Can we connect offline? Because I'd like to talk more about it with you. And that's exactly what we were hoping to set up. We want to share what we've done. The, the resources that we are creating here, there is no pride of, of authorship or, or of being territorial, we would be glad uh, and happy and, and, and want to share it with other agencies as well, because it's not just about making sure that the team members and our VA family feel supported. It's about everybody who's in the federal workforce. And if there are things that we can do to help move that along, we certainly want to. I think there's uh, the perception and the idea sometimes that we, we operate in these big silos, and, and we do. I think that's fair, uh, but I also think there's a lot of space for us to challenge that, push against it, and we're seeing a lot of communities of practice pop up, uh, and again, the, the fact that so many have reached out to talk and to learn, and, and every conversation that we have with another agency, I get the opportunity to learn as well, uh, and so that sharing of information, uh, the, the uh, ability to be able to share where we are and then hear what might be helpful for other agencies as well. Uh, one, it, it, I think, allows a space for us to know we're not alone. That we hear quite a bit that, oh my goodness, it's so nice that I'm not the only one kind of grappling and dealing with this. Uh, but it allows us to share perspectives, which makes all of the things that we create in terms of resources and tools that much richer. Yep. So I can, I can certainly relate to you on, on when you get exposed to other professionals out there and other entities and you say, oh my gosh, okay, good. Someone else is dealing with this problem too. Um, we go through that quite a bit here in my organization as well. You reach out there, you find, hey, what's going on in this field? You're trying to implement something new. And then you realize that there are plenty of people trying to do the same things, but you can learn from other people and their experiences. You can prevent reinventing the wheel in some cases. Absolutely. And so I imagine so for your employees, so we have staff, we have employees, we have professionals that are working towards accomplishing, you know, specific tasks. You, of course, you know, have teams that are working to accomplish certain goals. So how do you pass that message down? So when you go out there and you find out and you learn from other entities, you learn from other organizations, are your employees, are they a part of those conversations? Or is it that you ensure that your organization is is aware. I mean, you pass information. How does the information, right? How does that transfer laterally, uh, vertically? You know, how how does that happen in your in your organization? Communication is a huge part, uh, I think, of the the strategy. Not just with in our team, but I think in pretty much every pocket uh, of, of an organization. And there are a few ways that we look at disseminating key information. Uh, so. In terms of our, our immediate team, uh, more often than not, we have several team members involved uh, because we want folks to hear things firsthand. Uh, one, to make sure that we all walked away with the same messages. Uh, we, I think we all know sometimes you can walk into a room and then you walk out there and there, everybody came, came away with something different. Uh, and so one of the things that we do internally is we talk all the time. We wanna make sure that we are on the same page, rowing in the same direction. In terms of how that information then gets translated to other parts of VA, 
I think that comes through in the work products that we create. Uh, and so as we are taking the feedback that we get from our team members and as we learn from other departments and other agencies, we try to weave those things in uh, to the deliverables that we are creating. And also as we have conversations when we're a part of different project teams, if they're different councils that we are a part of, uh, we try to share that information as much as possible. Uh, and so there isn't necessarily a formal mechanism, i.e. a newsletter or things like that, uh, that goes out at a, a regular cadence. Uh, but what we do try to do uh, is that when there are opportunities for us to create a blog or for us to share in a wider setting, we certainly wanna do so and give credit where credit is due. So I didn't give you advance warning about this question. Um, but hopefully it's kind of a softball. <laughs> um, you know, you've talked about some just really exciting concepts, stuff that I hope spreads like wildfire. Uh, and I love uh, the concrete ideas and tips, really, um, that you were talking about here. Um, these are things that really are actionable. But I want to give you a chance. Was there anything you've really wanted to bring up that you haven't had a chance to talk about yet? There is one thing that I would offer. Sometimes when we think about the relationship between employee experience and customer experience, it's framed in such a way that we want to improve employee experience to improve customer experience. And I would challenge that only to say, we don't want our folks to feel like we're making this investment and focusing on employee experience only as a means to an end. We really want our people to know we are investing in them because we care about them, full stop. And when we make that investment, that will organically translate into an improved experience for our customers because as we're pouring into them, they will pour it into others. And so there's such an important relationship between EX and CX, but I think it's really important that we remember at the end of the day, we're talking about people not just employees in that one dimension of them, but people, folks who have families, folks who have hopes, dreams, and fears like everyone else. And that it's really important that we remember that because sometimes everybody's trying to cover so much. Uh, and during the day-to-day, -day, you know, we're in that hamster wheel, we're trying to get everything done. And while we're working on those transactions, it can be easy to forget that we're dealing with folks with feelings. And I think that's one area that we've really tried to emphasize in this space is that the level of sincerity in this work has to come through. The level of care that we know is there has to come through. And when we do those things, we'll start to see those positive correlations in terms of our employee experience measures and our customer experience measures as well. Now, all that's anecdotal, but that's why we're building e-signals to go along with these signals So we'll have some data to back it up. Yeah, there, there you go, right? So you gotta have that data too. I, I think, you know, I think, uh, at least I believe that quite a few folks who find themselves in positions where you're overseeing departments or overseeing others, or, or maybe even if you're working with some leaders, um, you start to see some of these trends as we go. And just from my perspective, some of the best leaders I ever had, you know, when I was much younger and when I think back of, well, why did I think that that person was such a good leader? Why, why did I feel, right? Because I don't have uh, objective data, right? But, but why did I feel uh, like they were a, a great leader? And it actually covers a lot of the things that you've talked about today. You know, they were an amazing listeners. They actually, they held themselves accountable. They actually showed that they cared through action. They would listen, 
and then take action based on what you said. And that was a really powerful thing. And, and so hopefully, you know, folks can, can take that home today, but, but I do, this time has been awesome, of course. And, 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 and as always with everyone that we've talked to, we always end this the same and we ask this one question and then that's normally how we, 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 we conclude uh, the podcast. So I'm actually really happy to be able to ask it this time around. So um, the question is this, if you had a magic wand and could make one big wish come true, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, there are a lot of things. I have to pick one. <laughs> yep, just one. <laughs> it's cheating if you go beyond that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, if I had a magic wand and I could fix something overnight, it would be that folks would say, I love my job without the but afterwards. Sometimes we hear, I love my job, but I'm burned out. I love my job, but I don't have the tools that I need to be successful. I love my job, but I don't feel like I belong. I love my job, but insert whatever the reason is. If I had a magic wand, it would take away the but. It would just be, I love my job. And that folks would feel that way uh, because they feel supported in the physical, mental, and emotional ways that they need. Awesome. Well said. Thank you so much for your time, Aris. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Um, this has been a great conversation, and uh, I, I hope that that folks out there hear this and and they can take you know what has been said today and, and perhaps even apply it in their own or, or own organization. So thank you so much once again. I really appreciate it, Eris. That's going to do it for today's episode of Solving for X. What's your big takeaway from today's episode? What new learning can you share with your teams? Before you leave, please follow Solving for X wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, listener reviews have a real impact. Consider leaving feedback so others can find our show. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time on Solving for X. Solving for X.